Amen. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. We were there a week ago. We're going to be back in that passage. We'll be looking at several others this morning. As Kyle said this morning, um, reminding us, we are in a series called We Are Living Church. And it's just a simple series, really just reminding about us about who we are as a church, what the Bible, what Jesus has to say about us as the church. Just a few reminders over the next couple weeks. And last week we looked at a, a couple passages, and one, from the one passage we, we were reminded that the church is unstoppable, that even hell can't stop the church. And we looked at another passage, and from that passage we, we uncovered that we're needed, the church is needed. Because in that passage, we'll see it again today, Paul and his missionary team, they, they gather together and they report to the church all that God had done with them. God's means for accomplishing his mission on the earth is through his people. So we're needed. And then we also saw from that passage that we're to celebrate. We're to celebrate. And we spent time last week just celebrating all the different ways that God is moving throughout Living Church. A lot of things behind the scenes that most of us don't even know about that God is doing through you, through his people. And I wanted to just continue that just briefly this morning before we dive into what we're going to study today, because there's a a couple other things that we can celebrate this morning that I failed to mention last week. One is over the past summer, some of you know, about 18 months ago, God provided an office for us, a church office for us in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. And it's been a great opportunity for us to, to have a place where we can have our, our meetings, our living community pastors can meet there, we can talk through what the next steps are and hold each other accountable and be equipped and all that. Well, over the past summer, um, God has provided Living Church with two offices for the price of zero, which is really cool. Um, and one of those offices is on the campus of Miami Valley Christian Academy, where my wife Andrea took a first teaching uh, first grade teaching job there, which is cool, and I'm there in a very limited role a few hours a week as a campus pastor, and so they came to us and said, hey, we're just going to give you an office, you can use it for the church, whatever you need to do, which is really, really cool, so, so that's awesome, and then I got thinking, well, man, okay, that's, pretty a, long, that's a long drive for our Northern Kentucky people if we're going to meet, so somebody came and said, hey, there's a, a Northern Kentucky Baptist Association in Erlanger, Kentucky, they have like four offices that they're not even using, and, you know, so I, I contacted them, and the guy's like, yeah, absolutely, use one of our offices. You can set up shop there for, for free. So we got two offices for the price of zero, which allows, frees up monies, right, for us to put back into the mission and vision that God's called us to, which is really people. And, and last Sunday I shared with you, just reminded us that six months ago we talked about the need, to, the desire to bring on a kind of a part-time assistant pastor position we talked about that back in March and um, rehearsed it again last Sunday, reviewed it last Sunday, and, and we talked about how we'll, we really believe that person is Kyle Ackerson, that God has raised up from within Living Church, and, and we were only $300 a, a month short after last Sunday, and I challenged us, maybe God's just put in your heart to step up and give. Well, I can tell you this morning that several people came up to me after the service last Sunday. <laughs> last Sunday and said, um, listen, we're going to step up. Either we're going to increase our giving to make this happen, or God's been convicting me because we haven't really been giving to the church. And so this is just God's way of saying we need to start so we can make this happen. And so as of Monday, October 9th, Kyle Ackerson will be the part-time assistant pastor of Living Church, which we're super excited about, okay? Um, and you can see Kyle there, all right? Um, 
which is, that's one of his best pictures, I think, back in the day. On the better picture, there you go, that's a little bit better. So we're super excited for that, and a lot of, for a lot of different reasons, but it's going to allow me to have some help with administrative responsibilities as a church, but really, I'm super excited because we have this thing called the Pastor's Pipeline, which we talked about last Sunday, about training people that God is bringing to us to plant these new living communities, and we've got it all ready. We just need the person to jumpstart it, to get it off the ground, and that's going to be one of his responsibilities, too. So we're super excited. So he gave his two weeks notice at his current place of employment, so uh, as of Friday, so in a couple of weeks, um, he'll be, be jumping in. We're super excited for that, but that that's just something to celebrate because God did that with you. God's doing that with you, and, and it's so cool to me because God's providing the people to help us get the gospel into the neighborhoods and the cities to, to see lives change. You change uh, a, a person's heart, you could change a family, you could change a neighborhood, you can change a city all through the gospel. So we're excited about these things. So I, I want to now transition into what we're going to talk about this morning, and I want to start with a word game. Okay, I'm going to say a word, and you tell me, I'll say like a brand name or the name of a company, all right, and then you tell me in just one word what that company represents, what they do, what they're all about. Okay, we ready? First word is Starbucks. Okay. Next word is Rolex. Watches. Okay. Gold Star. Vegas. Don't answer it. Okay. Now, Vegas, you know, just, I don't know. All right. Holtman's. Cleveland. Stop. <laughs> That would be my son. Yeah, okay. I think of champions, right? 2016 NBA champions when I think of Cleveland as a Cleveland sports fan all my life. All right, so thank you. Um, What else? Graders. Verizon. Okay. Um, Apple. Depends on which Apple you're thinking about, right? All right. Last one. Just think to yourself on this one, church, church, do you know, do you know what our word is? Let's even, I'll, I'll even give you two words, I'll, I'll, we'll expand it to, to two words, right? We can boom, Holtman's, Graders, whatever, right? But when it comes to church, do we know what we do? Do we know what we're about? Do, do we know, do we, do we have that? Well, here's the truth I want us to grab a hold of this morning. Here's our word, and we'll expand it to two words. Church, we make disciples. That's who we are. That's what we do. We, we make disciples. We make followers of Jesus. Ultimately, we, we bring honor and glory to Jesus, right? That's, we glorify Him. But how we do that, what we're about, is this thing called making disciples, And here's where I want us to go this morning. I want to share quickly five reasons why we make disciples. This is not an exhaustive list, all right, by any means. These are just five things that we see from Scripture, five reasons why we make disciples. I want to talk quickly about what is a disciple, and then I want to give you a tool for how to make a disciple. I want to give us a tool. I want you to leave here this morning with something practical. My job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to do it. And if we're about making disciples, you need to have something on your tool belt, if you will, in order to, to do this, to live this mission out. So here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to ask my, my helper, Caleb. Max going to come. All right, Caleb, I need your help and pass some of these out. We have a handout for you. Caleb has agreed to, to make sure you guys receive one of these. Thank you, kind sir. Appreciate it. All right. Okay, so here's where we're going. Five reasons why we make disciples. 
We're going to look at who or what is a disciple, and then we're going to talk through about how to make disciples. All right, so first reason comes from Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. If you're there, I'll read it for us and then talk through it a little bit. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Now, Paul and his missionary team, they've come into a city. They've preached the gospel, and and, and we'll learn more about what they're doing. But when the disciples, or actually, they stoned Paul, verse 19, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, Paul rises up, enters the city, and on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to a town called Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Verse 23, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now what are these first century disciples doing? They're proclaiming the gospel, right? We see that in verse 21. And they're making many disciples. They're making disciples. They're preaching the gospel to the city. They're telling people the good news about Jesus. One, that you're a sinner. That's why you need Jesus. That's why Jesus came, because you're separated from God. So when you repent of your sin, confess your sin to Jesus, believing that his death on the cross and resurrection is what brings you forgiveness, The transformation takes place, and it's a transformation that gives you a desire to want to know Christ more, to want to follow Christ. So so they're preaching the gospel. They're making many disciples. And the implication here for us is simply, if you're a disciple, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, what you do is you make more disciples. That's what you do. That's what we do as disciples of Jesus. If you're a disciple, you make disciples. That's what disciples do. Second reason is it's what Jesus did, right? Really, these first century disciples are just doing, simply doing what Jesus did. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, that's what we see Jesus doing. One of the reasons why we make disciples is because it was what the first century disciples did. Second is because it's what Jesus did. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, now after John the Baptist was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That's exactly what we saw Paul and his team doing. They're proclaiming the gospel of God. Where'd they learn that? They learned that from watching Jesus. They're telling people about Jesus. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying the time was fulfilled, verse 15, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Mark chapter 1, verse 16, he, Jesus, sees Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Well, what's Jesus doing? He's proclaiming the gospel. He's making disciples. He's calling these people to follow him, to follow him. And Jesus is so passionate about making more disciples that he actually goes to the cross and sheds his blood for the church, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. That's how passionate and committed Jesus is to the mission of making disciples, making followers of him. And so the implication, the quick implication for us is, listen, if you claim to follow Jesus, the Bible says if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to walk as Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. Well, how did Jesus walk? He walked his life living and dying and coming back to life for the purpose of making more disciples of himself. And so if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to be committed to the same mission Jesus was committed to, which is this mission of making disciples, followers of him. 
And so don't, let me just throw this out there. Don't say you're a follower of Jesus, please, and not be committed to his mission. It's like saying that I'm, you know, like you, hey, Mark, I like you. You're great. I love hanging out with you, but I can't stand your wife. I just can't stand your wife, right? So I like you, but I just don't like hanging out with your wife, uh, you know, all this stuff. Well, Jesus calls the church his bride. He calls the church his bride. So when we say, I'm all into Jesus, but I'm not into the church, that's offensive to Jesus because Jesus calls the church his bride and he gave his life for the bride. And so if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we're going to be about the same mission that Jesus is about. And that mission is proclaiming the gospel, telling people their need for Christ, and making disciples of Jesus. So it's what the first disciples did, it's what Jesus did, and it's simply what Jesus told us to do. And a very familiar passage for some might be Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Jesus has died on the cross, he's come back to life, he's about to ascend back to heaven to be with the Father, and he says in verse 19, go, he's looking at his disciples, and he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus tells us to make disciples. If your boss tells you to do something, Right? If, if your boss says, hey, I need you to go work on this project, you do it. And you don't wait around for the feeling to go do it. You go do it. Jesus, our King, our Savior, has said, hey, I want to invite you into this mission that I'm all about. And it's about making disciples. And he's like, I want you to go and I want you to do that and I want you to do it all across the globe. It's what Jesus told us to do. And one of the things that I hear throughout just being in ministry for all my life is a lot of people say, I just don't feel close to Jesus. I just don't feel like I have this this tight relationship with Jesus. Well, if you look at verse 20, what's Jesus' promise if you start living this mission and making disciples? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm reading a book right now by David Platt called Follow Me. And he talks about that, and, and he says when people come to him and they say, I just don't really feel close to Jesus, his first question back to them is, well, are you making disciples? Why does he ask that question? Because Jesus has directly tied this closeness to him, to himself, with his mission of making disciples. You can't do this without the Spirit of Christ inside you. You can't. We can't do this without him. And so when we step out in faith and start living this mission, it's like, yes, now. All right, now it's the Holy Spirit can step in and do the work. And now you need Jesus. That's when you feel this closeness to Jesus as you live the mission of Jesus. So it's what Jesus' first disciples did. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus told us to do. And and attached to that is, listen, Jesus showed us the best way to live life here on planet Earth. And the best way to live life here on planet Earth is by living the mission of making disciples. That's what Jesus did. He showed us that. Another reason. Why, does it, why, why do we make disciples? Because it works. It works. It's how we transform our neighborhood, our cities, our communities with the good news of Jesus. It's how we bring heaven to earth by making disciples of Christ. Because if someone believes the gospel, that moment of belief, Jesus comes in and transforms their heart, changes their perspective. They see life differently. They see everything differently. They see work differently. And it just changes everything. And it's how we turn our city upside down and bring heaven to earth. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. This is one of my favorite verses. 
Check out what an observer of the church had to say about the church. This is not a Christian saying this, but as he's observing these disciples living out the mission of Jesus, Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, there's persecution going on. And this is what happens when they could not find them. They dragged Jason, who was a disciple of Jesus at the time, and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men, Acts chapter 17, verse 6, who have turned the world upside down have come here also. So they're looking at the disciples, these followers of Jesus, and they're going, these guys are so committed to this guy named Jesus, so committed to this king, that they're turning the world upside down. That's how they described it. It's amazing. By AD 100, estimates claim that there were 25,000 followers of Jesus. By AD 350, over 30 million. And those 30 million followers of Jesus transformed the Roman Empire. One of my favorite books is a book by Rodney Stark, The Rise of Christianity. And he he views Christianity not from a theological perspective, not even from a biblical perspective, but from a sociological perspective. He's he's observing Christianity and its impact on people. And this is what he had to say about first century Christianity. He said, it revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities. To cities filled with the homeless and impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, and even, I would add, hurricanes in our modern day, Christianity offered effective nursing services. No wonder the early Christian missionaries were so warmly received in the cities. Listen, if we want heaven to come to earth, to our city, to our neighborhood, to your family, to your workplace, to the lives of your coworkers, the people that you do life with, it's going to come as we proclaim the gospel and make disciples of Jesus. Because it works. We've seen it work. It's working in places like Iraq, Iran, China. It works. People's lives get changed because of the gospel of Jesus. Why else? Not only because it works, because... Disciples can't help but make disciples. We can't help but do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 through 11. The Apostle Paul is writing, and this is what he says. He says, Last of all, as to one untimely born, Jesus appeared also to me. And Paul describes himself here. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Imagine the guilt he would have, knowing that he, he killed Christians before he became a Christian. But then he says in verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Paul was a murderer. He was a persecutor, but Jesus still loved him, met him, came to him, rescued him, forgave him, and gave Paul an incredibly new life through the gospel. It was grace, and Paul had received this forgiving grace of Jesus over his life. And it transformed Paul's heart to the point to where it moved him out to, I've got to share this with others. They too have to experience the same grace that I've received. We will not move out with the gospel until we've been moved by the gospel. And maybe you and I aren't moving out sharing it because we've lost what it's really done inside us. We've forgotten the change and the transformation that Jesus has made and the forgiveness we've received. 
But Paul's telling us, listen, I can't help but tell people about the grace I've, I've received. In Acts chapter 4, you have other disciples going, we can't help but tell you what we've seen and heard about Jesus. little reality check here for some of us. Maybe we all need to think about this for a moment. If, if you have zero desire to help others know of Jesus, zero. If you have zero desire to make a disciple of Jesus, then maybe you're not a disciple yourself. Because disciples make disciples. If you have zero desire to know Christ, to spend time in his word, to help other people know about him, it doesn't matter if you've grown up in church, you've heard it all before, been baptized, sprinkled, whatever, come here every week, go to your living community every week, listen, you can do and check all the boxes and still not be a Christian. Because now you're trusting in all those boxes rather than Jesus to transform your heart. Paul's saying, listen, I can't help but share this grace that I've received. I can't help but want others to know about the forgiveness and the love and, and, and how Jesus frees me of trying to find my identity in things and people and approval because my identity now is in Him and it's proven by what He did for me at the cross. As there's no desire at all in your soul to share that with other people. Then you got to evaluate, am I even a disciple myself? And if you're not right now where you sit, confess your sin, repent and believe Jesus Christ and ask him first to transform your heart. And he will come in and he promises he will do it. It's kind of like fantasy football, right? My boys are into that. I was, I'm into that too, a little bit. It's like believing that fantasy football makes you a football player. It, come on, it's ludicrous, right? doesn't make you a football player, but neither does being a fantasy disciple make you a disciple. Just because you know all the things to do, know what to say, know that whatever, the different position, doesn't make you a disciple. Repent, believe the gospel, and you step into this journey of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Why do we make disciples? Because it's what disciples do. It's what Jesus did. It's what he told us to do. It works. It changes lives. It turns cities upside down because we can't help but do this. We can't help but make disciples. So then that leads me to the next question. Well, then what is a disciple? What is a disciple? We're going to watch a two-minute video clip, and I want you, as you watch this, to look for key words that the person uses to describe and answer this question, what is a disciple? Let's go and watch it. All right, so what words stood out to you? Let's interact a little bit from what he said about what is a disciple. What's that? Follower. What else? Anything else? Multiplier. Multiplier. Yes. Caleb? Be an example. All right. An active learner. Right. You're an investor in people. You're a follower, right? You're following Christ, you're, which means if you're going to follow someone, you've got to spend time with them to figure out where they're going and what they're about, right? Don't, if you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not following Jesus. Because <laughs> how in the world are you going to follow somebody you don't spend time with? right? It doesn't work that way. You're a follower. You're learning. I want to know Christ. And that's why we say it this way as a church. We make disciples who know Christ. Well, how do you know Christ? You follow him. And disciples who want to live Christ, there's that example piece. And disciples who want to make Christ known, they're reproducers. They're passionate and and, and they're seeking, how can I live my life and organize my life in a way where I'm helping other people follow Jesus? So what is a disciple? And it begins with that first step of faith, believing Christ is who he says he is. He is your savior. 
And that should sound familiar to us because that's our mission, right? To make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. Last thing I want us to see now is how do you do this, church? How do you make a disciple? The reality, here's what I I think, and somebody said this, said if if people don't know how to do something, then they're most likely not going to do it. Right? I mean, that just plays out in everyday life. You don't know how to, if you don't know how to swim, you're probably not going to go jump in a pool. If you don't know how to read, you're probably not going to go pick up a book. We just watch Jesus, right? And we watch his disciples. You can learn how to do this. And so quickly, that's where I want us to go. I want to quickly share with you, what does making a disciple look like? Well, it involves four practices, four practices. And, and we are passionate as a church about helping you live out these practices together. We've talked about these before. We see these practices in Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 23. And I want to go through them quickly and then talk about the tool I want to leave you with this week and encourage you, and that's your homework assignment, to work through this tool that we're going to give you. All right, Acts chapter 14, well, what's the first practice? What does making a disciple involve? It involves the gospel. It involves the scriptures. We call this sharing the word. So when you gather as a living community, one of the expectations we have of our living community house church is that you're going to study the scriptures. You're going to get to know this Jesus. If we're following him and your disciple, a follower, you're going to spend time learning about who he is. So it's this practice of the gospel, showing the gospel, talking about the gospel, the scriptures, sharing the word. The second that we see here is that's what Paul and his team were doing. In verse 21, they're preaching the gospel. The second is it involves living life with a community of other disciples. We call this practice sharing life. That's what they're doing here. Notice how many times in verses 21 and 23 you see the phrase they, 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 they. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Even like, I mean, even people in prison have cellmates right? I mean, you get a cellmate. I mean, come on, we don't do this alone. We live this out together, sharing life with a community of disciples. We share life together. It's they, they, they. They always did it together. Third thing is that we see is living out Jesus's mission with other disciples. We call this sharing mission. This is why some of our living communities go to the New Hope Pregnancy Center and clean once a month. That's why other living communities are talking about going and serving the homeless once a month. That's why some of us work with other elementary schools to live this mission out for the purpose of making Christ known, making disciples of Jesus. So we have sharing the word, sharing life, sharing mission, and then sending. Verse 23, they're appointing leaders to plant and to lead these house churches, which they're sending them out. There's this sense of you're living like a missionary. We see Jesus doing this. He shared the word with his disciples. He lived his life with them. He gave them his mission, and then he called them to live sent. And in fact, Jesus himself embodies these. He's the word. He's the life. He's the mission, and he tells us to go. So if you're a disciple, you're going to be about making disciples and if making disciple, disciples involves these four practices, then one, you're going to be involved in these four practices yourself, and you're going to help others be involved in these four practices. Now, this is not a guarantee, like if you do this, this person's going to become a follower of Jesus. But this is something where we point people to Jesus. We do what Jesus did. We do what the first century disciples did. And so we so believe in this as a church that if you flip to the back side of that handout, we have this accountability tool that we use with our living community pastors. When we meet once a month, we get together and we talk through, how are you doing as a living community sharing the word? What are you guys learning about Jesus? We talk through, how are you sharing life together? 
Are you getting together outside of just your living community meeting? Are you meeting each other's needs within your community, in your house church? We talk about how are you doing at sharing mission? Who are you reaching? Who are you trying to connect with? Invest your life into locally so that other people can see Jesus. We talk about sending. Are there people that God's raising up within your living community that maybe have a burden and a desire to start a new house church living community? And so what I want you to do this week is I want you to take that home and I want you to work through it. You can work through it personally. You can work through it as a couple. You can work through it as a family. You can work through it through the lens of making disciples. Of If you have kids in your home, what are we doing as a family to share the word? Are we meeting each other's needs as a family? How are we as a family living on mission? Or maybe you look at it through the lens of just you personally. Am I in the word? Am I meeting each other's needs? Or have I become so self-absorbed? What are we doing to, to, to reach neighbors or, or co-workers? And I just want us to think if, if every disciple of Jesus, and I'll ask the band to come, if every disciple of Jesus in this room actually made a disciple, made one, you actually invested your life intentionally into this ma- mission of making disciples, imagine the transformation that could happen through Christ and the gospel. Imagine if every one of us just were committed to spending time getting to know Jesus in the Word. Imagine if we were committed to sharing life with our living community and, and, and the church and just being part of, of Jesus' bride and being about what He's about. Imagine what could happen, what Jesus could do, the marriages that could be changed, the families, the campuses, the workplaces, the film industry, other industries, as people there are living on mission. And I know Megan's part of that, and I'm thinking about that. And God is just using her in powerful ways to make Christ known in that industry. Why? Because she's about making disciples. She's about proclaiming the gospel, as we all should be. Church, that's who we are. We're unstoppable. We're needed. We celebrate, and we make disciples. That's what we do. That's who we are. And we don't do it in our own strength. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask or imagine. And here's again, I want, to, I want you to take this home and I want you to do, work through this this week. You can work through it on your own privately. You can do it together uh, with, with others in your living community. But I want you to work through this. And then next week, little homework, right? Good teacher. I'm going to ask us to, for examples, things that you talked about. What, what, what did you guys discuss about sharing the word this past week? So next we're going to kind of follow up on this together. But we don't do this alone. Right? Just imagine the transformation that maybe could happen within your own life as you are committed to being a disciple of Jesus and as we are committed to living this mission of Jesus. And it's not for our glory, right? Ephesians 3 goes on to say, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all time, forever and ever. It's about him. It's about praise to Jesus for his glory. So you can stand there and say, look what Jesus did. He changed my neighbor, he changed my coworker, he changed the people that I do life with, not because of me, but because I was following Jesus and they were asking questions about why I do the things I do, why this is important to me, why I say no to that so I can say yes to this. And they're just, it's amazing what God's doing. Not for your glory, not for our glory, but for his, so that praise can be on our lips for him. God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to live this life. A life committed to the mission of, of making you known followers of you. So God, help us to be a church that's committed to this because Jesus, you gave your life so that we could become part of what you're building. This thing called the church. This people called the church. Lord Jesus, we love you. 
And I feel like, God, some of us, we may need to get on our knees and repent and tell you we've been, we have not been living this way. For others of us, God, would you just reveal to us areas of our life where we need to just step it up and just be committed to making disciples in our own home, even ourselves personally. We don't do this in our own strength. God, we can't. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit. You've filled us with your spirit. You've promised us with your presence. And so now, God, help us to go for your glory, not for our own. And it's the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.